guilty, not guilty, ten Charles times. Charles Manson, described today by the star witness jury again. The so-called Night Stalker case reached its verdict today. Orenthal James Simpson, not guilty of the crime the of murder. The woman suspected of shooting Selena is still holding police at the Music bay. producer Phil Spector was convicted In Monday. In Los Angeles, a killer the police are calling the Hillside Strangler. Do you find that Mr. Depp has proven all the elements of defamation? Answer, yes. Welcome back to LA Legal. I'm Liana. I'm joined by Nima. And today we have a very special guest, Miss Christina Sarkis. Hello. And the reason she's so special is because she's one of our dear friends. She is married to Human Sayagi, one of our senior litigation attorneys at the firm. But most importantly, she's a public defender and a kick-ass one at that. So, welcome. Thank you. Glad Thank to you have for you. Me. Oh, and you're so special. We even kicked Nima Romani <laughs> to yeah, the other exactly. side of the couch. <laughs> so, so I'm sitting in the golden seat. You really are. Okay. You perfect. really are. But um, I think what's really cool about this segment is that we have a former federal prosecutor and a criminal defense attorney. And little old me. So <laughs> this is going to be all about you guys, and let's take it away. Let's talk about Mr. Larry Nasser. Nasser. How do you pronounce his name? Nasser. 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 Larry Gerard Nasser. Who's getting it in the Asser in prison right <laughs> Yeah. Good for, good for whoever's doing that to him. Was born August 16th in 1963 in North Farmington Hills, Michigan. At the early age of 15, he started working as a student athletic trainer at his high school on the recommendation of his older brother, who was already in the athletic training field. After graduating high school, Larry attended University of Michigan, where he studied kinesiology and worked for the track and field team at the university. But it seems like everything just kind of went downhill from that, right? He graduates, he starts working as a doctor. Well, let's just start. Let's just start yeah, there and let's we'll stop there. there. Okay. So this guy's working as a doctor who didn't go to medical school, right? You know how I feel about that. You know, these types of um, BS doctors that call there themselves doctors that are trying to provide medical treatment that probably okay. aren't qualified to do so. So if you're not an MD, don't call yourself a doctor. But he makes it all the way up to the U.S. Olympics team. I mean, he is well known. I mean, on paper, this guy has done it all, right? I mean, he's working for the... He's training the, or he's a doctor for the athletes, for the, for some of the Olympians. He's working at the University of Michigan. Look, he's a trainer. He's you know, doing something. You know, right. he could be working at Twenty uh, Four Hour Fitness. So, you know, and, and I know that's where you guys met. I'm not trying to put it down, but um, you know, I, 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 I just don't think that we should be calling him Doctor Nasser. That's just. I agree person. with you. He's no longer a doctor yeah. now, he's no longer so he's doctor, just Nasser, but, yeah. right? Yeah, Nasser the pig. So, you yeah. know what? Let's just take it from here, right? I mean, so this guy um, is very well known, right? He's very involved in the community. And before these allegations come out, he's had a 30-year span. I mean, he has, he's he started a foundation for autistic children. Like, he's trying to be on the board of schools. I mean, this is someone who on paper is just very well-rounded. He's work, working with kids, young, young women, young athletes. So what are your thoughts on this first thing, when this came out? He did all the things right, right? He's like the the perfect child that a parent could have at the beginning. Yeah. He goes to school, becomes a doctor. He's involved in, yeah, doctor. Yeah. He, he um, like you said, he started a foundation for autistic children. He's like the perfect person. And that kind of created the this storm or this, this disguise of mm -hmm. who he really was and the monster he really was. And that helped him out. And right. that's how he was able to get a, away with all the abuse for so many years. And it's interesting because... 
his personality too is you know a lot of his victims when you watch documentaries or if you watch the the impact statements you know they really trusted him because he was that guy he was so nice to them you know and they're these are young girls who are training to become olympians right i mean they're they're constantly being yelled at and told that they're not good enough and they're being pushed and here's this guy who's like here's a snack here's some candy he's sneaking in things into their bedroom right and so I mean, it's disgusting, but he just, like you said, is very much has all of those qualities of a predator. Well, it goes to the grooming process, right? That's step one is the grooming process. I know a lot of these uh, gymnasts, they went to this ranch in Texas, the Carolee Ranch, and the the husband-wife duo, they Mm -hmm. were so strict with these girls, and these girls were so scared of them throughout their training that Larry Nasser actually became their saving grace. And he was able to get away with even more of the abuse at the ranch. Mm-hmm. But then, like you said, he was giving them snacks. He was giving them treats and things like that. So they really trusted this guy. And right. that's Yeah, it. it's the psychology of abuse, right? Yeah. We've seen it so many times um, in different settings, right? Gillen Maxwell, Jeff Epstein, you know, where, you know, you might have kind of a good cop. You might have a bad cop. Where you're there, you're gaining the trust of these young victims. And over time, you start normalizing the really abnormal sexual contact mm-hmm. and the abuse. So, And that's actually what one of the victims said. Said, uh, you know, she said that there was a point where the lines were kind of blurred, right? Because like I said, you're, you're constantly like you have people breathing down your neck, right? They're pushing you. You're training like 10 plus hours physically training for the Olympics. And so it really when, when something like this happens, when you go to your doctor, uh, if you will, and, you know, you get abused, you think, well, maybe this is just part of what's supposed to happen. And these are children. We're not talking about adults who maybe may think, okay, something's wrong. These are eight-year-olds, nine-year-olds, 12-year-olds, right? So- well, let's talk about what happens when you really go to a doctor. And I understand sometimes the parents were there and this abuse happened with the parents' and physically present. That is, present, that is insane because you have yeah. mothers in yeah. the room and he's become, sorry to cut you off, but he's become so good at what he does that like that he just does it with parents in the room and no, yeah. nobody even knows. Well, yeah, let's describe what he is doing yeah. because some folks may know it's pretty disturbing, right? He has this sort of hip exercise or hip treatment, whatever. And during that time, he basically vaginally penetrates these girls, oftentimes without a glove. Um, so we'll talk a little about uh, his really kind of his MO, what yeah. he was doing to abuse these young girls. Right. And like you mentioned, what is supposed to happen when you go to the doctor? There's supposed to be somebody there supervising, right, at all times. So you go to the doctor, a nurse comes, right? Of course. Um, I mean, you guys are wearing gloves, right? yeah. you know? Like, like when that. you go to the OBGYN, there's yeah. always there's like, always, yeah, there's, there's always, 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 there. always. If you're a male doctor, I mean, OBGYN is one thing. I don't care if you're you know, a cardiologist. Yeah. If you're a male doctor, yeah. there's a female there, you better have a female nurse in there. Right. That's best practice. If you have a child, you're talking about, you know, just additional levels of precautions mm-hmm. that have to be there. Right. So this guy's not really a doctor. He's a trainer. He's, you know, performing these kind of exercises or treatment on these young girls. And there's really no one there except him and this young child. So that's a problem just off the gate. He's actually performed some of these procedures, if you will, in their bedrooms too while they're staying at the ranch. So it's not even like it always happened in a designated, like, I don't know, doctor's office on this ranch. Sometimes these girls are being treated for back injuries or hip pain or whatever in their bedrooms. I mean, and that kind of, to me, leads me to believe that there was not just a blind eye being turned to this, but almost like an active cover-up, which I really want to talk yeah, to about. Yeah, let's talk about the cover-up. Yeah, yeah, let's talk That's about That's basically what it is. It's right. a cover-up. Uh, USA Gymnastics was time and time again been given complaints about Dr. or Larry Nasser, and they always put it on, you know, swept it under the rug. And I guess there was this um, 
unspoken rule where if there was a complaint about him, either the victim, the victim's parent, or an eyewitness had to sign off on it before they would ever take action. So eventually, when all these allegations started coming out, they found out that there was over 50 complaints that USA Gymnastics received that was just in a file cabinet somewhere, never reported. Oh, yeah. I mean, and obviously we know those complaints, I mean, date back to the 90s, right? right. Um, there were complaints made, there were settlements reached, but really, you got to give credit, and we talked about how this all came to light, the really Indianapolis star, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've seen it time and time again when we talked about Epstein, right? It was a Florida journalist that kind of broke that. And other cases, you know, whether it's Britney Spears or R. Kelly, where you see the media talking about injustices, and that sort of forces, whether it's a university, it's USA Gymnastics, or even the FBI, to do their job and to do the mm -hmm. right thing. So I really want to give credit to the Indianapolis Star for breaking this very right. Yeah, and that's how things unraveled. Right. But um, so one of the victims, Maggie Nichols, she actually, so, you know, she's one of the, the main sort of the faces to, to this thing. And she felt very uncomfortable after one of her treatments. Um, and so she told a friend, a fellow gymnast, and their coach overheard this conversation, okay? So the coach overhears the conversation, tells her mom, okay? The mom files a complaint. It goes to the higher-ups. It gets all the way up to Steve Penny, the CEO, who says, I'm going to notify the FBI. Don't make a peep. Don't make a sound. Don't talk about it. You're going to get in the way of the investigation. Investigation yeah. never happens. And so that's heartbreaking. And that right there tells me that this was an active cover-up time and time and time again because the FBI was never notified, there was no investigation, and the parents were constantly told, just be quiet, you're getting in the way, we're handling it. Well, yeah, there, and there was a time when the FBI was actually notified mm -hmm. and they didn't conduct a thorough investigation. Right. That was the subject of the congressional hearing. So, um, you know, both in terms of the failure to report, the inadequate investigation, and then finally, FBI. I mean, you're talking about former federal prosecutor. I hold the FBI in high regard. I worked with them for many years. But they botch this case beyond belief, and that was the subject of those congressional hearings as well. Well, let me ask you this, Nima. What would be the proper protocol, right? So a complaint like this comes up. What are they supposed to do? What's the first thing that happens? You interview the victims. You interview the witnesses. And what happened in this case, there were three alleged victims. FBI interviews just one of the three and doesn't even document it in the 302, which is like the basically the FBI record of an interview that they um, typically prepare. Because usually FBI doesn't record interviews. Other law enforcement agencies do. So they have to prepare this documentation. So now they not do the interview. They don't, they don't document it when they did one of just one of the three. I mean, it's... It's unbelievable. Again, we're talking about young kids here, right? You're robbing them of so much at such a young age. But it was more than that for them, right? They're thinking, USA Gymnastics is thinking, this is going to be the end of us. Because USA Gymnastics is huge. These girls, you know, every Olympics, they were performing. They were representing our country. They were, you know, training so hard. And so this would have ruined them. So they were going to do everything at all costs to cover this up because they didn't mm -hmm. want to bring that attention to them. Yeah. Look, and I've uh, dealt with cover-ups. Um, I represented the Catholic Church in the sex abuse cases. So, you know, when there's a lot of money at stake, you know, People sometimes sweep things under the rug. Horrible criminal right. acts. And, you know, we've really seen it time and time again. Obviously, different case, much larger organizations. You know, you know, you have priests, um, you know, isolated priests, but multiple isolated priests all over the world. But here you have one man with access to hundreds of young girls who is conducting this really widespread abuse. And 
and happens for decades yeah. because people don't do their job. But let's maybe move forward when we talked about the star. Finally, there's media attention on the university, right? We're talking about Michigan State, where Nasser worked, really forces their hand because this is public outcry. Um, let's talk about that a little bit. So yeah, um, so now you're right. There's public outcry. There's more and more victims coming forward. There's people who, um, you know, tell the police department that hey, he's actually doing conducting treatments and he's practicing medicine in his own basement as well, right? Uh, in his home. And so that's what really gives uh, the police department that opportunity to get a search warrant to search his home. Okay. So talk to us a little bit about search warrants. Both of you are very familiar with that, right? So. Um, uh, what is supposed to happen, and then we could talk about what they uncovered when they got so there. So when all these allegations started coming up, and they were able to get the search warrant based off of his house, based off of him being doing treatments in his basement or whatever inside his house. So I think one of the investigators went and they saw his trash can outside, and they go, hey, we're going to do a, a trash can search. And that's where they uncovered all these devices or SIM cards or whatever it was, and they found all this child pornography and things like that that he tried to to throw away so that was how they were able to get all of that to start the federal this yeah. is against me, like crim law 101 is trash like privacy station you don't need <laughs> right. a search warrant to go through trash they had often. one though yeah. but so yeah they yeah. had it but yeah the child porn for 37,000 images images yeah, yeah. So lots of images the possession especially the distribution um that carries mandatory minimum sentences so those are Really serious charges uh, when you're talking about the federal criminal justice system. So setting aside the abuse of these hundreds of young girls, I mean, the possession of all this child pornography, um, it's really indefensible. What is he mm -hmm. going to say? I didn't send it. I didn't receive it. It wasn't my computer. Right, right. I mean, this also painted a, a broader picture for me, right? So this isn't someone who's just kind of, you know, not being able to control some kind of like a weird impulse. Like he has thousands upon thousands of images of little girls i mean that that is someone who's so sick in the he's head sick. and he's married he's got kids you yeah. know it's 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 there's terrible. no words by the way i mean obviously the sexual abuse of these young girls is horrific but i gotta say something about child pornography child pornography is incredibly bad because those young victims continue to be re-victimized because these sick fucks they send it all over the mm -hmm. world and you know once it's out there, you can really never get it back. So that's why child pornography is incredibly harmful to young victims. And it's deeper than that, too, because a lot of these victims, a lot of these children um, that are in the images, they're either kidnapped children in sex trafficking. So, you know, they're missing children and then they're they end up victims of being in the images of this child pornography. Right. So it's it's right. a lot. It's it's sickening. It's it's sickening. Um so he gets brought down to the police department for an interview, okay? So I actually have a few of his quotes because I, I'm not even kidding. I When I was watching it, I had to go back and like rewind. I was like, no, no, no. I think I know a quote. I need, gonna, I I need I to know, draw this down. Well, if Chris yeah. was representing him, he would have invoked for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But Absolutely. I mean, okay, hear me out. All right. So the question was, do you get aroused during yeah. these exams? You knew this yeah, one I knew. was coming, yeah. right? I mean, I don't. And I'm he's going there with like no this. Lawyer. He's there with no lawyer. He's yeah. just there, you know, answering questions. That's how confident he is. Acting like, oh, there's another allegation. Literally, he was like, another yeah. one? What? His reply, I shouldn't be getting an erection during exam. If there was arousal, it's, you know what I mean? It would be sort of whatever. I don't know. When you're a guy, sometimes you get an erection. Wow. Yeah. Um. So, uh, you know, I, I have no explanation aside from the fact that he had gotten away with these types of kind of 
these sham investigations, these BS apologies. He's gotten away with it for years. But he's so, like, I, ad- I mean, he's basically admitting it, right? When you're a guy, you get an erection sometimes when you're treating a nine-year-old for back pain from a gymnastics class. I think at that point, it's it's the part of the confession where you want to give them something, but you don't. So you kind of say like, oh, like, did someone say that? Well, maybe, yeah. I don't know. You know, I, it could have happened. It's just not, it's that sort of thing. So that's why it's always important never to speak to anyone without an attorney. Right. Well, there you go. Lesson 101. Yeah. But, okay, so Nima Romani, prosecutor, you get some kind of a statement like this, right? You watch these tapes. What are, you, what are what is going on in your mind, right? Because now you're trying to build a case against this guy. You're trying to defend yeah. him. <laughs> so what goes through your mind? And then I want to hear what you would do because you're on the other side yeah. of this. Yeah, so what goes through my mind when it comes to any sex abuse, sex assault case is the more victims you have, it's incredibly sad and tragic and terrible but it makes the prosecution that much easier often these types of abuses they happen behind closed doors there's not any recipient eyewitnesses to it you're relying on the victim's testimony in and of itself and you never want the defense to successfully cross-examine your victim by saying that it's fabricated because they reported it years later or this is all about money because you filed a civil suit there's any number of different ways to defend these cases but i believe as a prosecutor if you have many victims you overwhelm the defense and there is no defense yeah you can say one victim's lying but if 10 12 in this case a hundred victims are describing the same exact sexual conduct there's no yeah. way you can defend that case, in my opinion. So you're less concerned about, you know, the dumb things that you're, you know, this this guy has said because now you have all this. Oh yeah, I mean, as far, I mean, if you have an admission, that's great, but you really want the victims and you want them to come forward because, I mean, the instructions are clear. The testimony of one victim, one witness, is enough. But sometimes jurors, they just have a tough time believing one victim. Right. So like the examples I like to give recently are uh, like Harvey Weinstein, right? They piled on a lot of victims. Uh, Or even Bill Cosby. You know, when Bill Cosby was prosecuted the first time in Pennsylvania, he was prosecuted with uh, one victim, one prior bad acts witness, right? 404 or 1101 uh, victim here in California. And that first jury hung because the jurors just didn't have enough. Then they retry the case, one victim, five prior bad acts, six total, they convict. Now that conviction, of course, was later overturned for... Uh, procedural reasons but you know whether it's you know any type of these you know maxwell we're kind of going through all these recent or kelly recent sex abuse cases you see what the prosecution wants to do they really want to pile on a lot of victims because that guarantees you a conviction yeah it's easy uh you know to when you have a victim on the stand it's easy to show that they're not credible if it's just one person or two people with you know little things here and there with each person but when you get four five six people who are saying the same same thing same fact pattern over and over again then it becomes really really difficult for a defense attorney especially when they show that a lot of them didn't even know each other right right? i mean these are hundreds of girls who are training in this ranch or whatnot but not all of them were in the same teams in the same age category so when a lot of them describe if not all of them are describing the same thing it becomes hard to poke holes in I think the earliest complaint was when he was in medical school, somebody in his, me- or, yeah, someone in his medical school made a complaint against him during oh. that time, as early as that time. So, and no one listened to her. Sick pervert. Yeah. yeah. Um, but look, and we talked about uh, obviously different cases with Michael Jackson, right? When you have a smaller number of victims, you know, it's a much easier case to defend. But you also, in that case, we talked about this, um, shameless plug in our previous yeah. episode, but uh, we talked about how. You know, the, the issue there was these these uh, people were not credible, right? We had the mother, you know, and you just have all yeah, these. It was a shakedown, it's money, right. all their civil suits. here you have, and it was incredible to watch, um, and this is all on YouTube for anyone who's interested, but you have 
126 young girls come up and yeah. each one of them has a statement and it's chilling right Dang. and it's four days that's all the court had to listen to is all these women come by and say the same story over and over again yeah definitely shameless plug but you know if you go back to the michael jackson episode of la legal i mean you saw how the defense did an outstanding job Masro. i mean they just went after these victims just kind of broke it down uh showed the jurors that they're not credible mm -hmm. they got a full acquittal how are you going to do that here? I mean, how can you possibly defend this case when there's so many victims that come forward? And when it comes to sex abuse, I and mean, we've talked about the psychology, it's very hard for these victims to come forward. It's They've already been, um, they, they've suffered this trauma. Then they have to relive it in such a very public way. It's hard to testify. But when you have so many other victims that come forward, that kind of creates a snowball effect. Um, it empowers these victims. They can come forward. They see other people that are similarly situated. So um, it helps them and gives them a voice as well. Right. They're not victims anymore. They're survivors. And, and them being able to stand up there in court and face their their molester and say, you know, you did these things to me. This is what you did to me. But look at me now. I'm not going to let you ruin the rest of my life. I'm going to let this one, you know, I'm going to be the strong woman I am and you're going to rot the rest of your days in prison. And it, it, it just, it, he stole their lives. He stole their innocence. Mm -hmm. He stole their youth. And if you think about it, like these girls are training, they're so young. It's like, they're scared to tell anyone because A, they're scared no one's going to believe them. And also they don't even understand what's happening to them. Right. Well, his youngest victim, I think was six years old. It's like, yeah. how does a six, how is a six year old uh, going to go to her mom or dad and say like, Dr. Nasser did this to me. You know what I mean? How does a six-year-old explain that? So he took away their youth and their innocence. And that's the thing, because how do they know that that's wrong, right? right. You just, again, it's this, you know, you're in a position of power. You're a doctor, right? We're all kind of taught that, like, okay, doctors know what they're doing, right. and, you know? And so when you're in a situation like that as a child, I agree with you 100%. You wouldn't even know that that's wrong to then go tell mom and dad, right? Yeah. So... So I know we're getting a look from our producers because we're probably going to uh, run out of time unless we start moving toward the actual charges in the case. Jesus. You know, so he's obviously fired, right? Michigan State, their hand is forced. And then he's first charged stateside, right? So let's talk about that. I mean, there's multiple state cases, the federal case. Let's yeah. talk about uh, some of the charges. Um, and obviously, we, we got a kind of unique judge that we're going to want to talk about. We're going to want to talk yes. about sentences. She yeah. was a badass. Okay. Judge Aquilina. She was, I mean, <laughs> wow. But, so, but, let's turn to the legal side of okay. LA Legal right yes. now. So let's go. Um, Go ahead. So he was originally charged in, I think it was uh, Eaton County. Mm -hmm. Yes. Eaton, Eaton County. County. And then that's what led to the ha getting the search warrant and all that. Mm -hmm. And uh, they found the child pornography in his trash can, which then led to him being charged with all the federal crimes yes. that he was charged with. And then he also had sexual assault cases out of Ingham County, I believe it was. So he had three different, uh, two state and one yeah. federal case yeah. that he was fighting there. But after, you know, after all these came out, he he pled pretty quickly, I would say. Yeah, no, he did. I mean, he, he pled qu quickly. I'm guessing because he appealed his sentence, he did not think he was going to get slammed the way he did. Sometimes if you plead, look, you get some time off, you get a discount, yeah. you know? So um, obviously it didn't happen. But I really think, especially the federal case, really kind of indefensible. It's very hard when you have child pornography. It's on your computer. The digital footprint is clear. You don't need um, victim testimony in that type of case, so. So he pleads guilty to child pornography and willfully destroying evidence in exchange for the dismissal of traveling with the intent to commit sexual assault, mm -hmm. uh, which is a violation of federal law. So would you say that this was good advice on the part of his attorneys, right? Because now we're dealing with someone who 
does he's indefensible is there a defense for him really so like nima said it's really hard with child pornography cases once it's found and it's always obviously his it's in his trash can he was trying to get rid of it It, it's really difficult but he did in that case receive a sentence of 60 years yeah at his age that's that's a life sentence right unless he was blessed enough to live a long life but that's a life sentence for him so yeah in federal law you're going to serve 85 percent by statute so you know, you know, if he's a model inmate, what is that? Yeah. Not a mathematician, yeah. but that's well over 50 years. Right. So, and he did get a little bit this. of a discount, like 300 yeah. days here and there, you know, but yeah. I mean, he's, he's not even going to get to a state sentence. Yeah. yeah. He's yeah. rotting for the rest of his life in prison. So, um, so he pleads, right? He pleads guilty. And, you know, at this point, everyone's ready for trial. The jury letters have gone out. He, he pleads. And so, talk to us a little bit about how that agreement came forward, right? Because now, they, before the sentencing, the prosecutors want to put all of the victims, uh, allow them a moment in court, right? And then he comes back and he says, well, I'm not stable enough to listen to this for four days, right? And he pens a very long letter to the judge yeah. saying that, you know, due to health issues and mental issues, I can't sit here and listen. I mean, that really made me laugh. Judge Aquilina started reading. And she, yeah, yeah, and she so she whips him. out, you know, just yeah. like I'm sitting here, highlighted, and she, I have never seen anything like it. Have you guys? She just tears into this man. She's like, I wouldn't send my dogs to you, yeah. sir. Like, she's, I mean, I was mortified for him. And what I love that she said was, you did this for 30 years. You can sit here for four days and listen to, right. to how you've impacted your your yeah. victims. So what, how did you feel about that? About her reading the yeah. letter? It was, it, look, I've, it was interesting because it was throughout the victim impact statements and things like that. And she's just attacking him mm-hmm. and she's saying things. Look, I've seen judges say things to defendants, really bad things, but she's very eccentric in the yeah. way she was doing it. And I think she got a little backlash from it because they said she's doing it for the publicity. Yeah. She doesn't mm-hmm. really care much, but she really went at him and she, she took, every like sentence by sentence and yeah. going at him so it was it was fun uh, to watch but uh, yeah it was fun it was it was kind of good tv but like here are my thoughts one it doesn't matter because he's serving a federal sentence already right. just so we know the reason he pled to federal charges one it's indefensible two a guy like this you want to be in federal prison. You don't want to be in state prison where, I mean, we made some jokes about, you know, sexual assault. Obviously, we hope no one gets sexually assaulted in prison, but you're going to be much safer in a federal prison. That's why we saw someone like Derek Chauvin plead to federal charges because you want to be in federal prison, not stateside. Um, So he's already in federal prison. He's not going to do much, I think, if any state prison time. So you got this judge that's kind of showboating. I get it. Like, it may help the victims families but now you're creating an unnecessary issue on appeal right right? so now he's a basis to appeal um really like if you want to kind of hammer him it's one thing but you know some of like the colorful language that we're using here on the podcast we can do that if you're a judge you gotta kind of be right and that's what i was gonna ask you guys i mean it was great to watch don't get me wrong i'd never seen anything like it but i was like wow, you know, I mean, are you being, like, super biased here? I mean, you really hate this guy. So, um... There's a level of professionalism that you have to keep as a judge, like, court decorum. Like, I know you hate this guy. Everybody hates this guy, but you, when saying certain things as a judge on a case, you're running the risk of, you know, there being issues in the future. Yeah, and obviously the appellate court looks at it. They say, well, what difference would it have made? I mean, she sentenced him, like, within the range that was, like, appropriate. So, we don't need to say these things. Listen... I get it. We all hate Larry Nasser. I would love to talk shit to him too. Um, don't get me wrong. But I think, uh, you know, if you're the judge, just sentence the guy, let him die in prison without saying, 
I want you to die in prison. You know what yeah. you say that? Well, she basically yeah, did. Yeah, she did right? say that. Well, yeah. that's like, what I'm saying. I your th- death sentence. Yeah. Right. I think a lot, that's what I'm saying. If the cameras weren't there, if it wasn't Larry Nassar, if it was, you know, some Joe Schmo that we don't really yeah. know, I don't think she would have been as eccentric. I think the cameras in there really turn her on to, I, I think she wanted to be that judge. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. it was her opportunity. I think there was one story where someone wrote her name on a t-shirt, yeah. wore her she name like on SNL. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then she went she to trademark, not. she trademarked her name right after yeah. that. So I think she kind of wanted the attention for herself too, in a way, which it's not right. She actually did an interview and that's another thing I hadn't really seen. She did an interview with, I think like the morning show or something. And she was like, you know, people stop me in the grocery yeah. store. And how often do you see, how often do people recognize judges, right? Yeah. Like the average schmo, do they recognize a judge? No. no you know? Yeah. And so she did become a little bit of a celebrity, um, I guess, but you know, she'll probably see me doing mediations like the rest of them. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Exactly. You know? She'll be on the panel. Um, okay. Well, any final thoughts on this? topic i just as a criminal defense attorney and i want to preface this look larry nasser is guilty he pled guilty he's a convicted child molester um but as a as a criminal defense attorney and speaking through my experience everyone who's in a court of law is innocent until proven guilty and and a charging document is not evidence of a crime but doing this for eight years i see two sides of the spectrum you either see juveniles uh, who are charged with something like this. And, you know, it's basically when I spoke to an expert, they said curiosity killed the cat. It happens a lot more than you think. Does it mean this this child, this juvenile is a is a molester or, a, you know, sexual deviant? It's just hormones raging and things like that. And it happens more than you think sort of issue. Well, those juveniles were abused themselves, right? Correct. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's another thing. And then what you see is someone like Larry Nasser, someone who's, you know, either highly educated, is very prominent within the community, starts foundations, is like the the babysitter for the cousin, you know, is yeah. always there picking up the children from school, has absolutely no criminal history, not as much as a traffic ticket. So it's like, oh, how could I have done this? That sort of thing. So he fits the profile. You know, he fits the profile. He did everything that he's supposed to do to convince these people that – I can't believe yeah. you would, would accuse me of something like yeah, that. Like, very, like Ted Bundy. You yeah, know? <laughs> like mom, you were in the room. You yeah. saw, like, how can you, I think one of the moms said their daughter came to them and she's like, I didn't believe her. The yeah. mom said, I didn't believe my daughter when she told me that because I was in the room. And that's tough. That's really, really tough. Yeah, that, that poor daughter. That yeah. Poor girl. Um, yeah, I think kind of the takeaway is obviously, look, you have USA Gymnastics, you have Michigan State University. They dropped the ball. They had to pay hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. And, justifiably so. I mean, we haven't even scratched the surface on the civil lawsuits and settlements, but um, really kind of the takeaway is, you know, this is someone that had access to a lot of kids, you know, whether you're a teacher, um, whatever your profession is, if you have that kind of access, there's got to be oversight. You can't be a dude like me. I'm just being real. Like, I'm the guy here. I cannot be in a room with a bunch of young girls unsupervised, you know? And I'm not saying that I'm a deviant or anything, but um, there has to be oversight. There's got to be always someone there watching because otherwise you're putting these young children at risk. You right. just can't trust anyone, you know, as, uh, you know, you and I both have daughters. Like, you just, you can't, I cannot imagine a scenario, especially in this day and age where, you know, I'm like, okay, go off to camp and, yeah, yeah. You know, Or you even just if can't. you have a great relationship, I would not it's feel difficult. comfortable with just your daughter. Like, that's just, mm-hmm. it, it's it's potentially problematic in so many ways. So yeah. again, 
the last thing you want to do is blame the victims or the parents, but we're just trying to kind of take a step back and say, listen, what could have been done differently yeah. to prevent this? Obviously, the biggest takeaway is if listen to the first victims, do your job, do an investigation. But I mean, we've yeah. seen this recently, both at UCLA and USC recently, there were kind of doctors that abused hundreds, maybe thousands of women. And we kind of take a step back and we think like, how could this possibly happen yeah. over a span of so and many And it years? happens. And so one final thought is, I don't know if you guys saw, but one of the dads to one of the victims, when he attacked him in court, did you oh, guys yeah, see yeah. that? And he was just like, give me, give me yeah. five yeah. minutes. Yeah. And honestly, when I saw that, I thought, give would, me the five minutes, yeah, man. Give, give me a <laughs> minute. Like, yeah. Give me one minute. And I give think if you punch. want if justice to really be served, I get I it. I mean, the most put, put the dad in a room. Yeah. <laughs> the most insulting I thought was when the victims were giving their statements, the MSU president showed up and, the, you know, all this media attention came to her and she just kept saying, I know I don't want to answer any of your questions because they were they were hammering her. They mm -hmm. were saying, like, where were you guys yeah. when these girls were making these these complaints? She kept saying, you know what? Today is not the day. Today is about the victims and survivors. Today is about the victims and survivors. It's like, then why are you here? Now yeah. you care. Now that they're here giving yeah. their victim impact statements. Now you want to be here. And, and you're saying, you know what, let's talk about this later. I'm just here to support them. It's like, really? Now no, you're here I to support agree. them? That's, for, that's very insulting, in my opinion. I agree. And I think, and I agree with, with Nima. I think, you know, this isn't ever going to end. Yeah. You know, that I think that's just the reality of the world we live in. But I think that if we all start taking even the slightest complaint a little bit more seriously and doing the due diligence of investigating, whether true or not, at least we, we can as a society, as employers, as, you know, corporations, whatever, maybe save somebody else from this, yeah. from this kind of a nightmare. Yeah. And again, Christina is a defense attorney, <laughs> sexual assault, rape, it certainly can be falsely reported. It happens. But All I guarantee time. you, it is the most underreported. Yes. 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 By far. So when a victim is brave enough to actually speak yes. up. They deserve right. at least an investigation. Right. Yeah. So with that said, thank you so much, Christina. Thank Wasn't you guys. Fun? Yeah, thank you guys so much for having yeah, me. Well, maybe we can have you back yeah, another time because this thank was you. really fun. Thanks, Nima. Thank you guys for tuning in and we will see you next time. Thanks, everyone. Bye.